Today we're going to deal with a very common problem in relationships that often destroys relationships. And if you don't deal with this issue, I guarantee you, you're not going to be able to implement the other five things that we've talked about. And your life is going to be miserable because you're going to be controlled by people. You're going to end up living your life the way other people want you to live your life, live your life and not God's plan for your life. And so we're going to take a look at the fear of disapproval, the fear of rejection, the fear of what other people think about you. Now, when this fear captivates your mind, it will dominate you. It will manipulate you. It will control you. It will cause you to say yes to things that you know you ought to be saying no to. It will cause you to say no to things that you ought to be saying yes to. Solomon says this in Proverbs 29, verse 25. It is a dangerous trap to be concerned with what others think of you. But if you trust the Lord, you are safe. Circle the phrase, dangerous trap. The King James says snare. The message says disabling. However you want to say it, folks, it's not good. It is a trap. And this morning, I want to help those of us who are people pleasers to prevent the people-pleasing trap by talking about two things, about why it's a trap and then about how to avoid that trap. Now, before I jump into this subject matter, I need to qualify something. I need to explain that the desire to please, the desire to get approval isn't a bad thing. It is a legitimate need. You need approval. You need acceptance. You just don't need it to dominate your life. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be loved, to be liked by your family, by your friends. Folks, there's nothing wrong with that. Actually, there, you need a certain amount of it. And the Bible also says that you and I need to please other people and not just ourselves. If you don't care about other people, if all you care about is yourself and you don't care about pleasing other people, do you know what you are? You're a narcissist. A person who has no desire whatsoever to please other people, do you know that they are sociopaths? They do crazy things. And so if you have no desire and to please other people, uh, if you're self-centered, if you're selfish, you're going to have major problems in your life. And so there's nothing wrong with wanting approval from others. But like all God's gifts, it can be misused. Food is a gift from God. It can be misused. Sex is a gift from God. It can be misused. Uh, approval is a gift from God. And it can be misused. So let's begin by taking a look at the five reasons why trying to please other people is a trap. And the first one is this. Take good notes. We will miss God's purpose for our life. You cannot be worried, worried about being what everybody else wants you to be and focused on what God wants you to be at the same time. 
If you are always worried and trying to be what, I don't know, your parents want you to be or, your, or some professional that wants you to be or some partner that wants you to be something, okay? You are going to be miserable and you are going to miss God's purpose for your life. If your sole focus is just about fulfilling their purpose and not God's purpose, you're gonna miss it. In fact, there are one of two In fact, that's one of two reasons why we oftentimes miss God's purpose for our life. The first one is envy, but the other one is peer pressure. Have you discovered this, that God loves you and he's got a wonderful plan for your life? He does, and so does everybody else. And if you just listen to everybody else's plans, I guarantee you this, you will miss God's plan for your life. 1 Thessalonians 2.4 says this, our purpose is to please God, not people. He is the one who examines the motives of our hearts. Our purpose is to please God. And if you and I don't deal with this issue of being a people pleaser, we will miss the very purpose for which God has created us. Another reason is that it keeps me from growing in my faith. When we try to please everybody else in our life, we lose the ability to grow closer to Jesus. Now, I want you to think of it like this. When God is big in your life, people will have less power on you. Their influence will be diminished when God is big in your life. But when we allow people to be big in our life, what happens is that God is diminished in our life. When we give people authority, influence, when we give people what only God deserves, God is diminished. He becomes small in our lives. Now here is the challenge And a lot of times we don't think about this. Will you write this down? People and God are not the same size. People and God are not to be the same size in our life. They are not equal in size. And yet we think that way. Well, God and others, like this. Oh, no, no, no. See, we need to choose who's gonna be biggest in our life. Who are we going to give more to? Who are we going to give more authority? Who are we gonna give more influence? Whose approval are we going to seek? God's or man's? And they're not on the same plane. And when God is big, people's influence will be small. But if people are big, then God's influence will be small. And so you and I need to ask ourselves some questions. Whose opinion matters more, God's or others? Who am I gonna trust more, God or others? Take a look at John chapter five and verse 44. You try to get praise from each other, but you do not try to get the praise that comes from the only God. So how can you believe? Folks, it disables 
our ability to grow in our faith and get closer to Jesus. Man and God are not on the same plane. They are not the same size. Which one is bigger for you? The third reason is that it leads me to sin. And by that blank, will you write this? Giving in to peer pressure. When I try to please everybody, I inevitably end up giving in to peer pressure. Time and time again, you can ask a teenager, what is the biggest struggle in your life? And they will say, peer pressure. Now my hunch is this, that for those of us who are just a little bit older than teens, and as I look at it, we're just, you know, we're in our 20s, most of us, right? My wife just turned 65 this, this weekend, and, and um, I came home on Saturday on her birthday, and, you know, I, obviously I wished her happy birthday and all those things that husbands are supposed to do that I wanted to do, okay? And, but I walk in, and after we greeted one another, she says, I've been thinking, 15 years from now, I'm going to be 80 years old. I said, are you depressed or what? I mean, most people turn 65 will say, hey, 65 is the new 45, okay? But so we're young here, okay? We're young. And, but yet my guess is this. We struggle with peer pressure as well, do we not? It just looks a little different. And the desire to please oftentimes can cause us to do things that we wish we wouldn't have done. Saying yes to things that we wish we'd have said no or no to things that we wish we'd have said yes. Now I'm gonna shock you. When I was growing up, and you know I'm the senior pastor of Life Point Church, right? But when I was growing up, I was a little sinner. I know that shocks you, okay? And when I would do bad things, My mom and dad, I don't know what, they they must have eyes all around their heads. They always caught me, and they asked me, George, why did you do that? And of course, my answer was, well, everybody else was doing it. And my parents would come and and, and pull out that, you know what the basic question is, comes out of that Parenting 101 book that's been around 2,000 years. Well, if everybody jumped off a bridge, would you... We've all heard that, have we not, growing up? Oh, so you guys are a bunch of sinners too. Well, I'm glad to know that. And when my mom and dad would say those things, my eyes would just roll. And I'm thinking, that is stupid. But is it? Is it really that dumb of a question? You see, God seems to be of the opinion that we have a strong tendency to please other people and jump off bridges. He said to this young Hebrew nation in Exodus 23, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. When you look at the Bible, you will see people who loved the Lord. We're talking adults. Who loved the Lord but jumped off bridges. Peter, who walked with Jesus, who saw Jesus do miracles, who walked on water himself, sitting around a campfire and asked the question, hey, do you know this guy named Jesus? And he jumped off a bridge. Pilate, a non-Christian, knew that Jesus was innocent, but because of the crowd, 
condemned Jesus, he jumped off of a bridge. Joseph, his brothers betrayed him and sold him into slavery. There was one, Reuben, who tried to prevent it, but the peer pressure of his brothers caused him to jump off of a bridge. Ten of the twelve spies convinced a whole nation of Israel not to go into the promised land. They jumped off of a bridge. Let me ask you again this question. Is God big in your life? Or are others big? Is it really that dumb of a question? If everybody jumped off of a bridge, would you? King Saul, the first king of Israel, was in war and God told him not to take any of the bounty. But because of the pressure of people, he disobeyed. Notice what he says in 1 Samuel 15, 24. Saul confessed to Samuel, I've sinned. I've trampled roughshod over God's word and your instructions. I cared more about pleasing people, so I let them tell me what to do. Solomon makes this point, Proverbs 1.10. Dear friends, if bad companions tempt you, do not go along with them. Folks, when I think of these people like Peter, like, like, like others, major characters in the Bible, it causes me to ask the question, what bridges am I jumping off of because of the expectation of others? Another reason is that it causes hypocrisy in our lives. When hypocrisy invades our lives, folks, we start wearing masks. We become chameleons. We adapt to our environment. And fewer things will wear you out faster than wearing a mask and trying to decide when you wear that mask and where you wear that mask. We, when we wear a mask, we pretend. We fake it. We don't reveal our true selves. And a lot of times what we do is we make ourselves bigger than life. <laughs> Jesus knew of our tendency. Take a look at Luke 16, 15. Jesus said, you make yourselves look good in other people's eyes, but God knows your heart. You see, God wants our lives to be congruent. What we are on the inside, he wants us to be on the outside. And what we are on the outside, he wants us to be on the inside. And yet oftentimes we are not. And so we say things that are socially acceptable instead of speaking the truth in love. But we say things that are politically correct than speaking the truth. And God comes along and he says, I want you to be a person of integrity more than a person who is popular. And my prayer for my life is God, help me to make integrity bigger than popularity. Second Corinthians 10, 18, Paul said this, you brag about yourselves, but the only approval that counts is the Lord's approval. And then finally, the final reason is that it silences my witness. It silences my ability to share the simple truths of who Jesus is and what he has done for my life. An example along this lines is in John chapter nine. 
Jesus heals a young blind man. The Pharisees didn't like it. And so they went to his parents. And the reason why was he was still under the authority of his parents. He was blind. He was dependent on them. So they went to his parents and they asked them, hey, what do you think of Jesus? And instead of saying, oh, Jesus is amazing. This is an amazing thing. Jesus must, must have the, uh, must, must, he must be God in, in the flesh and give glory to God. Instead of saying those things, he said, well, why don't you just go and ask our son? Chicken. And their witness was silenced. Now, this wasn't just true of this, the, these parents. Folks, this was true of people who believed in Jesus, just the average person on the street. Take a look at John 7, 13. No one had the courage to speak favorably about Jesus in, in public, for they were afraid of getting in trouble with the leaders. This wasn't just true of the average person on the street in Jesus' day. It was also true of the political leaders that existed in Jesus' day. Take a look at John 12, 42 and 43. Many people, including leaders, believed in Jesus. But they wouldn't talk about it publicly out of their fear that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue. They love human approval more than they love the approval of God. And 2,000 years later, still in our culture today, political figures are fearful of mentioning Jesus' name. Much hasn't changed, has it? Sometimes, no doubt, silence is good. But sometimes it's just cowardly. The desire to fit in keeps us quiet. I oftentimes wonder personally how many people around me would know more about Jesus if it wasn't for this fear thing that works inside of me. And the answer that I've given myself is this, a whole lot more that's in this room right now. Okay, Pastor George, you've convinced me. I'm in the camp of being a people pleaser. What? is the antidote. How do I avoid being a people pleaser so that I can be everything that God has created me to be? Well, the antidote lies between our two ears in our minds. When you have the fear of disapproval, when you have the fear of rejection, when you have the fear of conflict, when you have the fear of what other people think, Change happens between the two ears. God said in Romans 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, if when, in other words, your life and your relationships will change when your mindset changes. Jesus said it like this, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. So as we finish, let me give you six truths that I want you to burn. In fact, I've already written them out for you in your outlines because there's a lot of words there. But I want you to burn these in 
into your mind and into your heart. I want you to pass these things. If you have young kids that are fourth graders, well, you can start as early as they can understand, but I would pass these things on because these are life-changing truths that will help them to be who God has created them to be. And the first truth is this. God can't even please everybody. Right now, there are people who are praying for certain football teams to win this weekend's game. And half of them are going to be disappointed. There are some people who are praying for a beautiful day. There are other people that are praying for rain. Half of them will be disappointed. Only a fool would go through life, would they not, and attempt to do what God can't do. Oh, I can just please everybody. No way, Jose. God can't even do that. Now, Jesus spoke of this when he said, woe, uh, woe unto you when all men speak well of you. That word woe in the Greek means bad news. If everyone likes you, folks, it is not good news. It just means that you stand for nothing, that you are a chameleon, that you are a wimp, that you just wash out. Jesus said, whoa, bad news. Now let me tell you something. There will never be a time in your life when everybody will speak well of you, except at your funeral. And you'll be on the other side of eternity. God can't even please everybody. The second truth is this. I don't need everybody's approval to be happy. I don't need it. Why? Because happiness is a choice. You and I are as happy as we choose to be. What other people think has no relationship whatsoever with our happiness unless we allow other people to manipulate us. Let me give you some facts about life that come right out of the Bible. You can't please everybody. You don't need to please everybody. God doesn't expect you to please everybody. And you don't need everybody's approval to be happy. So guess what? Disapproval will not ruin your life. Think about it. Think about the most popular people in America right now. Half the people don't like them. There are people who have been elected in our country and half the people don't like them. Here's my point. Some of you have spent your entire life trying to please an unpleasable person. Maybe a parent, maybe a partner, maybe some professional in your life who has said, you know what, you're not worth anything. You're worthless. You're never going to amount to anything. And you have tried and tried and tried and tried again to please that unpleasable person. Honestly, I am sorry for your mental anguish. But let me tell you a few things. It is a self-imposed prison. If you could have pleased them, guess what? They would have been pleased by now. And let me tell you something else. It's not your problem. 
It is not about you. It is not your fault. It's their problem because they are unpleasable. No matter what you would do or would have done, it would not have been enough. And so if you haven't pleased them now, you can't and you won't be able to, but it is not about you. You see, some of us sitting in this room, we're at that midlife stage where we are adults and we know better than seek the approval for other people because it can't be achieved. Let me give you some good news. You don't need it to be happy. So let it go. You and I need Jesus' attitude. In John 5, 41, he said this, your approval or disapproval means nothing to me. Remember, the bigger God is in your life, the smaller people will be. The bigger God is in your life, the less influential the people will be in your life. If Jesus is number one, he will set you free from the approval of others. He will set you free from the pain of bitterness, from the burden of guilt, from the fear of death. When you have Jesus as number one in your life, you will be free from being a people pleaser, of falling into the people trap. And let me be really honest with this. If you're looking to any human being to meet all your needs, you're gonna be greatly disappointed. Because there is no one human being that can meet all your needs. Not one. Let me put it another way. If you're looking to any person for your happiness, you're going to be miserable most of your life. And so I say this. Make Jesus Christ number one in your life. Isaiah 51, 12 says this. I am the one who comforts you. I'm the one that meets your needs. I'm the one who meets all of your needs. So why are you afraid of mere humans who wither like the grass and disappear? He's saying that human beings don't last. So why not put your hope, your needs in that which is everlasting? He has promised that he will never reject you. His love towards you is unconditional. You are one of his kids. Look at Proverbs 27, or Psalms 27, verse 10. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. And so I don't need anyone's approval for my happiness. God can't make everybody happy, and I don't need everyone's approval to be happy. The third truth is this. What seems so, impo or so important now is only temporary. The reason we become so attached to people pleasing is because we put more emphasis on the here and now than we do on eternity. When you and I have short-term thinking rather than long-term perspective, what's going to happen is, is it's going to mess up our life. We're going to feel pressure to hold on to those things that really are here today and gone tomorrow. Let me give you an example of this. 
do you remember the five most important things to you when you were going through high school? You remember those? We're not that old. Am I going to get a date with that special person? Am I going to go to the prom? Am I going to have a date for the prom? Are we going to win the homecoming football game? Will I pass this test? Am I going to have a date this weekend? Folks, those, those things back when we were 16, 17, 18, I mean, those were very important. But do they matter today? Not at all. Folks, let me tell you what maturity is. We talk a lot about maturity here at LifePoint. Let me tell you what it is. It is realizing that everybody that you think is important isn't. And everybody that you think isn't important is. Have you ever gone back to a high school reunion? Folks, I went back for my 20th. I saw some people who were, I mean, they were at the top of the chain their senior year. And from that point on, they have gone downhill. I have observed that those who bloom later in life seem to do more with their life than those who bloomed early. Example, Bill Gates. So what seems important now really is only temporary. 1 John 2.17 says this, the world and everything in it that people desire is passing away, but those who do the will of God will live forever. Notice that he's comparing short-term thinking with long-term perspective. Short-term short-term per- thinking leads to people-pleasing. Long-term perspective leads to freedom. Now, let me tell you what the challenge is of that thought through this story. A few years ago, there was a college student that played a prank on people uh, shopping for Christmas things at Walmart. He changed the signs of the prices on goods. As an example, that which was $1, he made $100. And that which was $100, he made $1. And when people came into the store, folks, they were confused. What's going on here? Here's the challenge that most people are not aware of in our culture today. Satan has switched the price tags in life. And the stuff that the world says is important isn't he has done a con job on our culture and if you and i focus in on the short term things we will miss the point of life jesus said it like this in luke 16 verse 15 the things that are highly valued by people are worth nothing in god's sight think about that What do people value in our culture today the most? I'm not saying they're not important. I'm just saying they shouldn't be placed up there before God or even on the same level of God. Success, wealth, fame, popularity. What are those things going to matter after you and I die? They're not. They're here today and they're gone tomorrow. What matters is our character and our relationships. The people that are in our life. 
The fourth thing to think about is this. I only have to please one person. My creator, my God, my savior, my Lord. This simplifies our life. You and I need to learn to give God approval first and foremost. We need to learn to live for the audience of one person. John 5, 30 says this. Jesus said, I don't try to please myself. Jesus said this. But I only please the one who sent me. You may not realize this, but people pleasers often fall in to idolatry and break the first two commandments. Don't have any other gods before me and don't make any idols. When you and I put people as big and God here, or if we even put them on the same plane, we've made something other than God, God, and we have created an idol in our life. When I begin to think of other people's opinions as more valuable than God's truth for my life, I've created an idol. When I don't want to tell other people, you know what, I'm a Christian. And this is what the Bible says, and, and I believe that. I'm one who likes to go to church. I like to be with God's people. If I'm afraid to do that, guess what, I have an idol in my life. And yet God comes in and says, hey, your life will be a whole lot simpler if you just learn to live for the audience of one person. Paul said it like this, Galatians 1.10. I am not trying to please... I am not trying to be a people pleaser. No, I'm trying to please God. If I were still trying to please people, I would not be Christ's servant. The fifth truth is that one day I will give an account to God. Now this is definitely one that you and I need to get into our psyche, okay? Romans 14, 12 says, you each, or yes, each of us will have to give a personal account to God. When you have long-term thinking, folks, it's going to change what you say, what you do, the people that you're, you're seeking to please, okay? It's going to give you courage. It is going to give you the ability in your relationships to stand up. And we've talked a lot about things. We talked about abuse last uh, a couple of weeks ago when I was in town. We've talked about some really pretty heavy things in this series. And when you and I have that long-term thinking, folks, it's going to give us the ability to stand up and be the man or the woman that God has created us to be. As a pastor, I get put on the spot a lot of times through questions. Is Jesus really the only way? In a crowd, is Jesus really the only way to get to heaven? Are people really going to go to hell? Does God really say, that, that uh, homosexuality and sex outside of marriage is wrong. Now, when those questions are asked to me, honestly, I'm just being honest, I don't want to answer them. I'm like other people. I, I, I want to compromise. I want to shrink back. I want to punt on that question. And I have seen some leaders who've been asked a direct question that they know Christians, leaders that, that, that they know the answers to say, you know what, this is above my pay grade. I'm gonna let God decide that. Do you know what that is? That's being cowardly. 
You don't say, well, this is above my pay grade. You know, I'm going to let God decide this. In those high-pressure situations that I've been in, and I'm in them. When I was in Cameroon, I was in another situation like that. I think of these, I think of these three things. First of all, Jesus Christ did not deny me. He, he went to the cross for my sins. Secondly, I'm accountable to God. And thirdly, I don't want Jesus to be ashamed of me. Take a look at Luke 9, 26. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, I, the Son of Man, will be ashamed of him when I come in my glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. If you and I will just keep those three things in our minds, Jesus didn't deny us. He went to the cross. One day we're going to be accountable to him. And third, I don't want Jesus to be ashamed of me when I see him face to face. I tell you, it'll help us to be what God has created us to be, to be the salt and the light in our culture because it can make a difference. The third or the sixth truth is this. Remember, God shaped you to be you. God shaped me to be me. God doesn't want you to be anybody else. He wants you to be you. God doesn't want me to be you, and he doesn't want you to be me. God wants you to be who he created you to be. When you get to heaven, he isn't going to ask you this question. Were you popular? Did you make everybody happy in your life? Did you become what other people wanted you to become? No, he's going to say, did you become what I created you to be? Next week, we're going to start a series. I think it's absolutely foundational in our life, shaped for significance. We're going to have some fun in that series. And I hope you don't miss it. I hope you invite your friends because it'll truly help them to understand how God made them for a specific purpose in life. And they can have fruitfulness and fulfillment if they just discover these things that we're going to talk about. These are the things that we need to get into our minds. Paul said in Romans 12 2, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, but let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove and practice that the plan of God for you is good. Can I encourage you to take this outline and put it on your refrigerator? It can help you implement all the other five things that we've talked about in this series. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you're a good God. I thank you for your faithfulness, God. To save, not only save me, but to send me. I thank you for your faithfulness that while we are going and being who you have called us to be, that you are with us. That there's never a time in our lives that we really are alone. That your presence is always there.
that as we tune into you, we discover your peace that passes all understanding. And we discover your power to be what you have created us to be. And you're a faithful God. You're a faithful God to not only sin, but to bring us back home. And God, one day we long to be in your very presence. And we would say as a church, God, may that day come quickly in many ways. And when we stand in your presence, may we not be, may you not be ashamed of us. Because we lived the life that you called us to live. For your glory and for other people's good. I don't know where you're at in your relationship with Christ. Maybe you haven't dropped him from your head into your heart. Today, will you do that? Will you just say in the, in the quietness of your own heart some words that go like this? God, I admit, I've been a people pleaser. And it's caused me to say yes to some things I wish now I would have said no to. And it's caused me to say no to some things that I wish I would have said yes to. But today, God, I believe that you rejected the approval of man and you did the Father's will by dying on the cross for my sins to communicate to me that you love me unconditionally. And so right now, I want to say yes to the person I need to say yes to. Be big in my life, God. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the forgiveness that you have shown me through your son, Jesus Christ. I say yes to you. Be bigger than life in my mind and in my heart, God. And if you prayed that prayer, God heard it. You may not have said it in the same words, that's okay. What, what matters is your heart. As long as you're honest and authentic, God heard you. Would you allow me the privilege to be a part of that? On your communication card, just fill out your name, your email address. Check the appropriate box, and I'd be glad to get back with you this week to help you on your journey. God, I thank you. You are a great God. We look forward to all that you're doing in our church. We're glad we're here, God, today. What a great day this is. And so, God, be with us. In Jesus' name, amen.